previously on The Outsider. You've reached Holly Gibney. I'm not here right now. I will get back to you as soon as I can. Outsider. Kill her? I think maybe she told you why. You just didn't want to hear it. At first I thought he was an ally. Then I saw the wound on his neck. It's how he controls them. Why did it pick me? This thing, it's drawn to pain. After everything I told you yesterday about Terry having been scratched by Heath Hofstetter, We're... who was probably scratched by Maria Canem. Alice, yes. And is it true that the Terry version of it scratched Claude? Here's the difference between you and me. You need this whole thing to make some kind of sense that you can live with. I just want it to end. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking the Outsider. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be with you today. We are talking uh, yet again about another episode of the HBO series, The Outsider, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Good. I always feel like I should say all the way live from the middle of the Pacific Ocean on the tropical sunny island of Maui. <laughs> But then I don't, I don't want to show you up or anything and make it seem like I live in paradise, even though I do. You do live in paradise. I mean, Hawaii is paradise. It's true. Uh, you know, it's paradise. Um, today, it's kind of overcast and a bit cold. And a friend of mine said, what does it mean when it's cold in Hawaii? And I was like, well, I have to wear socks. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's cold. All right, so we are t- we are finally caught up. Uh, we actually started this podcast behind. Now we're finally caught up, and we can we actually are. talk about the show and not have to worry about spoiling or talking too much, talking out of turn. And then plus, this episode really doesn't tie in. Mu- it tie okay. It does tie into the book, in in some ways, but and, it's mostly all made up. But it is made up. And then we're going to talk about how it does tie into the book. Uh, okay, so Claude Bolton, who we all suspected uh, would be the next to uh, turn into uh, El Cuco, or El Cuco to turn into, uh, this is definitely revealed that that's what is happening. And in the book, Claude Bolton does leave uh, Flint City, and but he goes to visit his mother. In this story, he visits his brother. Which is right. a, a big difference, and his brother is quite the character, much like his mother was a, was quite the character in in the novel. Uh, who actually she fills in a lot of uh, missing pieces for our audience and for our characters in the in the novel. So uh, I, I don't get the the feeling that we're going to get that from the brother. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, 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 in fact, I kind of think like maybe it was very intentional to leave some of that stuff out. Right. Right. And and honestly, I, I didn't I didn't love it <laughs> in the novel. Uh yeah. like her character was very interesting, well written, but I think she droned on and it was a little too much. And a little too plot convenient as well that she had all these facts that really helped move the story forward. So and uh if you I read the audiobook, so uh, Will Patton, who's the actor who is uh, doing the voice work, uh, her voice, his voice of her is pretty funny. Um, 
maybe I should I should find a clip and uh, insert it somewhere. But it, it is pretty funny. But uh, anyway, so uh, so we have Clyde Bolton. He goes to this town and uh, visits his brother. He's having these nightmares. He's having these visions of dread. And he's, you know, his brother, who is <laughs> who's an interesting character. He's a he sells weed. Uh, he is, you know, he has anger management issues. Uh, there's a scene where Claude Bolton gets locked up and his brother comes to see what's going on and he wants to beat up the cops. <laughs> you know, they had to they had to tase him to, to bring him down. So uh, I kind of liked that. I, I did, too. It was, it was a great scene. Great scene. I, I love I love that scene. Uh, you, you know what it did? It, it made it gave you the idea that Claude is, is a bit different from his brother, but that they really grew up in this uh, in this place that was a bit rednecky, <laughs> and it, and it without bit? making it without making it feel like they are you know stupid rednecks or whatever. It actually made it feel like no 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 no. This is just super cultural. It, it, it was actually really well done. I liked it a lot. A bit rednecky. <laughs> a bit, yeah, a bit. Let's <laughs> try to be nice. <laughs> I would say this: Clyde Bolton in the novel, as well as Clyde Bolton uh, on the TV show, is very similar in the way that they are, the way that they see life, what they've gone through. It's a very good the the actor who embodies Clyde Bolton uh, does an does a great job. He really feels like the Clyde from the novel. And it's very, it's a very good um, portrayal, and it's a very good way that that is the character has been written. Someone who's run afoul of the law, been in trouble, who you know has had drug and alcohol problems, and he's dealing with it. And you know we've talked about a recurring theme in a lot of his work is people who've gone through recovery. So, right. and Claude Bolton is definitely that, and he just has a real cool, laid back uh, way about him. And uh, there's a scene where, where, and it, this is some somewhat from the novel as well, uh, where he's been arrested, doesn't know why they they're not giving him any information, and he's laying, he's sitting back, having a conversation with the arresting officers, and he's talking about, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, the dancers, the, the, the strippers that used to, you know, uh, work at the club that he worked at. And he's telling these stories and that that is in the novel, but I think it's told in a different way. I can't remember exactly, but I, I remember that story from the novel or, or similar story. And it yeah. just shows, you know, how laid back he is. And he's been in trouble before. So he's really, you know, what I'm saying he he's kind of knows how it is and what what to expect from the cops. So he's not even sweating. He knows they got a job to do. So he doesn't even. You know, and he's so chill about it. Very chill. And then when the brother, oh, which comes, is in stark contrast to his brother, who's his not brother chill has no about chill. It. Brother has no <laughs> chill at all. And the brother, and he's coming, trying to calm his brother down, like, "Hey, calm down," you know. So they end up <laughs> both getting locked up, which is, uh, which is hilarious. Um, and then so uh, let's go to our our cast of characters. We have Andy. We have uh, we have um, Holly. We have Alec Pelly, we have Howard, we have um, let's see, uh, Jeannie, as well, uh, Sablo, and they're all meeting about what to do next, and they 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 decide that they're going to go down to this town because they need to find Cloud Bolton because they're afraid that Cloud Bolton may turn 
or I'm sorry, not that he may turn, but uh, El Cuco may turn into him, and they need to have their hands, you know, their eyes on him. Well, well, Wait, hold well, on, well, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Has his high eyes on him to make sure that that he has some, you know, he has uh, people in law enforcement that can vouch for his whereabouts. All right, now go ahead. Uh, well, the, I was just going to say, let's just not forget that the reason that they think that they should go to Cecil, Tennessee is because they believe that El Cuco is weak enough right now, right. that he hasn't actually done his complete transformation. And if he's weak enough that they have a chance to get him before he can destroy somebody else's life and before he gets to kill another kid. It, I, I feel like this would be a very different conversation if they felt like they if they hadn't come to the understanding that he was weak. And I just want people to know we are live from uh, Jen's farm. Uh, <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> so, Hawaii is filled with feral roosters of all things. I'm so sorry. Well, On behalf of the state of Hawaii, I apologize. If we don't acknowledge it, then there'll be somebody saying, you know, this show was cool except for the farm activity in the background. You know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, you know how people are. You know how people are. So so we're not we I definitely wanted to acknowledge it so that you know, people can then say, okay, we talked about it. Yes. Just, just so everybody knows, after the podcast, I'm going to go set up a GoFundMe for a soundproof room. So, yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I thought you were going to say that you were going to go back and kill the rooster. And make it... <laughs> <laughs> Much better, the GoFundMe. So, um, okay. I can't, there's something I want to talk about that relates to the novel. And I can't say it because. It's it, we're going into serious spoiler territory, so right. but if you listen to the first episode and about the novel, it, it it does cover it. So I don't know, maybe at the very end of this episode, I'll put a spoiler warning, and I just okay. kind of want to talk about what it is, um, why you know what I want to talk about, and I'll make sure this will be like at the end of the episode. I'll just we'll, we'll bring this up, and I'll have it scrolling on the bottom of the screen as well. Okay, so uh, I'll do it after we say our goodbyes, and then we'll okay. then we'll do. Okay, so and remind me, <laughs> by the way, in case I forget. I shall. Uh, all right, so Alec Pelly, who you know, Alec Pelly, Pelly, who you know is from the novel as well, who is a seasoned detective, now private investigator. He is, you know, given an opportunity to come with down to uh is are they still in texas right uh because in the novel they they go to texas i, I believe i believe they they said they're in texas yeah, well so, the, the the trip that they go to for the cave is in cecil tennessee oh tennessee okay they changed it up yeah. all right I, please forgive me you guys I, I i have the novel and the tv show both in my head yeah it's hard to reconcile them right so you know they were like do you watch the show like yes yes i read the book too, so. <laughs> But uh, so Tennessee, okay. Uh, what wait? What you said, Cecil, Tennessee? Yeah, Cecil, Tennessee. My dad's name was Cecil, by the way. Um, nice. So okay, so Alec Pelly, who's seen a lot in his life, uh, declines the invitation. He says, he, he says, oh, I have things to do and whatnot. And then later we find out that the reason why he uh, declined the, the invitation uh was there was some fear based on his mil prior military experience. Uh, do you want to talk about that? And what did you think well, about that? You know what I loved about that was the way that he described it. He said, I tasted copper in my mouth. And I remember, I have a note actually written down about this moment um, that says that he tasted blood in the water. Like, 
you know, uh, any good shark can taste blood in the water and they know when there is both the, uh, the opportunity for violence, but they also know that, you know, something really bad may end up happening. And I, I feel like it was really well written that they gave him that as something to say. Um, also, something about Alec that and Howie both that I feel like is kind of important is they they are both sort of the uh, the connection thread that still ties us to. It's not we're not sure it's look, I don't how do we tie into this? You know, are we actually responsible for what's happening here? Do we actually have any anything vested in what is going on? Um, is it, it, it's a little bit like Alec and Howie committing to going is sort of the last, okay, everybody's all in. Everybody believes, uh, or to the extent that they can, everybody is on board to try to prevent something else from happening. And I really like that because it, it in the in the book it's told a bit differently in the series it makes it feel like if there was anybody who is doubting among that original group they now have all sort of switched to the side of nope we're all going to believe now it just yeah. felt all inclusive yeah and and uh i really enjoyed that you know that um you know he's a he's definitely not a weak man alec Pelly. No. And I love the He's fact not. that he says, hey, man, I, you know, I went through what I went through and this feels very similar to to uh, what I've gone through. And, you know, I just I, I can't do it. You know, at this point, any person who watches for cues in shows says that's foreshadowing and you can't help but feel like that foreboding is a big, giant foreshadowing uh, stamp on the series. Yeah, I mean, it just absolutely calls itself out like that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of... Okay. Uh, anyway, so... Yeah, we, we, we don't have to spoil anything to say that, I mean, that was very intentional. You can feel that there was intentionality behind that. Right. Yes. So... All right, so let's talk about... They, they go and they bail out well, not bailout. Uh, they go and have released uh, the Bolton boys. <laughs> right, because they had them arrested in the first place, or held, I should right. say. And then they, they they just tell the truth about what, yeah. what's going on. Uh, what do you think about that decision? They could have lied and said some other things, but they tell the truth. Well, I, I think they originally thought they were going to until Holly said, no, we're going to tell them the truth. And I, I feel like the reason that Holly said, no, we're going to tell them the truth is because at some point after it was that Ralph didn't disclose to Holly about the Claude Bolton thing altogether, I feel like Holly is just done. Like, look, I don't care what you guys think. I'll go do this alone if you are not going to join me or even if I don't even feel like it was on the table. She just said, this is my intent. I'm going to go. I'm going to, and then everybody else was like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. I, I just feel like Holly is up to her eyeballs in sort of the doubting Thomases and ready to say, I don't even care. And she actually, she makes a really good reference to that in the car with Jack. Well, I'm sorry, not with Jack, with uh, Ralph. When she says to him, 
look, it's really important. Either you're in on this or you need to go home. Which is, that is from the novel. There is Mm -hmm. a moment where he, where she does tell him that like, you know, you need to believe or really get the F on. Exactly. And I I think that that's kind of a defining moment actually for Ralph, because at some point Ralph does use the word if instead of using any other language. And so it's, it's clear that he is coming around. Uh, And I don't mean just coming around in a small way. I mean, it's a huge thing for Ralph to, uh, yeah, it's a huge thing for Ralph to use any kind of language that isn't very definitive. So I, I do, I feel like that was actually really good. We needed to see that. Yeah. And, and th- yeah, that language comes from the novel as well. So see, and I also like, I'm sorry, one more quick thing. I also really liked the conversation that Holly had with Ralph in the car where Ralph attributes what he thinks he, he in his head would be supernatural to something that is pure and total coincidence. And Holly calls him out and says, that sounds to me like coincidence. And the fact that she can see into something that isn't coincidence and defines it as this is supernatural without it being, you know, kind of like just humans throwing some stuff together and saying, ooh, isn't that spooky, is is really important, I think, to understand the difference between Holly and Ralph as well. Do you remember that when Ralph oh, was yeah, telling the story? Yeah. About, yeah. I love that. That's a well, that's a, that's a very good scene. I liked it too. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that scene because, you know, it's, it's important that they, you know, they talk about that line between, what is you know real? What is something that is imagined? Also, what is something that you know based on evidence? We see, we hear, we smell, you know, and all of that stuff. And it's very important. So I love the fact that they had that conversation. And it, like I said, once again, uh, not not in the novel. This was something totally for the show. So, and there was a there's a moment too where Holly goes to a church. And I rem- I could recall her saying that she's not particularly religious. Uh, what did you think that meant going to the church? I, so two things. One, I felt like she knew that what's his name was going to be there. Like she just she was she deduced enough about him to know that that's where he would be. But two, I also feel like this is all going back to what I think we originally talked about when our podcast began about the origins of this story in belief that it's not just one belief that's important. It's the belief of the person as it relates to what's happening in the world around them at the time and why it it is so important to put, as an example, uh, the, the story that we heard Holly and Ralph talk about in the car. You have to put that into a separate box than your belief, than your suspension of disbelief, I guess so that you can get to the facts. And so that, to, to me, her walking into the church said, one, she's still a super awesome investigator, and two, she definitely has this inside understanding that belief is intense, that it, it's, it is, it's manifest sometimes. It's not just uh, a distraction. It's not just something that is outside of, of who we are to, you know, uh, placate us. There's an actual 
kind of matrix underneath it that belief gives us. And only by understanding or at least accepting that matrix are we able to do what we need to do. A matrix. I like it. Yeah, sorry. I wish I had a better word because matrix is so, you know, what it is. But it's true. I mean, that's still the right word, I think. No, I think it's the right word as well. I like it. I like it. What do you think about this cave, uh, this cave festival? I could, am I, I could totally, (laughs) I could totally see you dragging the kids there. I was thinking the same thing, actually. So this is definitely something dorky that I totally would have done with my kids when they were younger. Um, And I, I would have been that dad, right? That dad who was like, oh my God, I could have bought my own cave. That was me too. I totally would have done that. But I still would have gone. Um, You know, one of the departures from the book between the book and the series is sort of this uh, transition piece where we have uh, the kid in the festival and we get a little inside glimpse into who Sam is and, you know, why he is maybe so super impressionable because he's just so into this one cave and, you know, he's so into the cave, he doesn't even get the joke that they tell in the car. Um, And I like that. I I like that a lot because it gives us the idea that Sam really could just be led away, you know, that it just does make a, 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 it makes a lot of sense. But one thing that this also sets up is that there are lots of kids around here. So it's it, it suddenly the stakes go way higher than they have been because it's not just Sam. It's tons of kids all over the place. Yeah. Very creepy too. What do you think about the fact that um, that we have El Cuco doing something like in front of so many people that he decides? I mean, I know he's hungry; he needs to eat. And what he's been eating before, you know, because uh, we kind of didn't talk about how mm. he, the you know what actually. We should okay, talk about we're gonna that a bit. then we'll come back around. Okay, so what do you think about this? They changed it a little bit too, where you have Jack Hoskins transporting uh, El Cuco, and that right. scene, I I was shocked when he was in the back seat, yeah, because you remember that is not from the novel. So, what did you think when you saw that hand come up front? Uh, yeah, I was actually really shocked, I'm very shocked. Uh, also, uh, from just from the you know gleeful inside metaphor thing. It made me so happy because we have the literal sense of El Cuco being transported by Jack, not just the meta, not just the the uh, I'm El Cuco's thoughts, but now he's actually transporting his physicality. Uh, the other thing that I thought was actually kind of cool, which is definitely a departure from the book too, is the idea that um, that Jack kills. Uh, the fisherman for El Cuco and he eats it and then says it wasn't enough because he was riddled with cancer, which in the book is actually explained kind of differently because I don't think we, we don't spoil anything by saying that in the book, it's Jack that actually has cancer. And it's one of the ways that El Cuco is able to lure him into doing what he wants to do by telling him that it'll cure him cancer right and he has the so, fa- yeah he also has a fear based on uh, what happened with his mother too 
Right, right, right. So it, it kind of it, it adds to the overall sense of why he's going along with some of the things that he is, not just the the torment that we see, but also this like super heavy fear. Now in the in the series, we don't we never hear that. We don't hear that that Jack has cancer or anything. But it 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 but I feel like that was a nice tie together to have the fishermen uh, have cancer and that's why El Cuco can't get any nourishment from him. Also, it explains why El Cuco likes children. It's not he's not a pedophile per se, although kind of. Um, but it's because kids are naturally less disease ridden. And so El Cuco gets nourishment completely from uh from the the from from less likely, less older people, there's no chances of have them having those kinds of diseases. Which is also kind of an interesting take. Yeah. Um so I don't know, like uh it's kind of pedophile though, uh El Cuco. <laughs> like it, it is. The idea definitely is, I agree. Right. And you know, there's something else too that we'll we'll get on uh, you know it, I know I said at the beginning of this episode that I wasn't going that you know that we were going to uh be able to talk freely and all of that kind of stuff but then I just thought about it, it was like this there's a little uh no there's actually quite more of mm-hmm. uh things that you know we may or may not be able to talk about so but anyway you know it is it is what it is so we'll we will uh continue on you know, one of the big criticisms that I heard about this episode was uh, the fact that El Cuco wore the fox mask. Yeah, fox and, mask. Yeah, and, and why did El Cuco wear the fox mask if he was changing into Claude? Wasn't, you know, wasn't that part of the whole point? But I feel like those people are not paying attention quite uh, it earnestly enough because we know that he isn't actually well-formed. And I feel like we get that when the dad looks at him the dad looks at him and I think we're supposed to infer based on his reaction that he's not quite sure what he sees there because it's, he's not formed completely. And so that's part of the reason that I think that he's wearing the Fox mask. It's not to frame Claude just yet. It's that he's starving. He's so hungry that he's willing to risk going out to get something to eat because he he needs the strength to do the transformation. Yeah. You know what's interesting too, uh and I just rewatched this last night or the other night. Um the uh episode I'm um, the episode. The um film uh Doctor Sleep. I don't have mm. you watched you watched Doctor Sleep, right? Oh yeah. I, I saw the giant director's cut that's like five hours long. I you know okay. what? That's hyper I, it's not quite that. Yeah, I just I just watched that too. By the way, um, which I didn't realize I, that's what I was looking at at first. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember this from you know because I saw it in the, the the theater and all that. But um, so I know it's almost a different movie. So it is. You've seen Doctor Sleep, and then you see the extended edition. Yeah, there's a lot new, and and it's good stuff too. It's good stuff. Uh, more yeah. book stuff in it. But uh, it's the same thing. They're very similar too. They're they are uh, people who uh, you know who are not human, 
who feast on children, mm-hmm. you know, they and their hunger for for kids, you know, is uh, excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, the um, the rooster kind of threw me off. <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, we, we'll we'll start adding them into the show notes, the show credits. So <laughs> you need we need to name the rooster. You know, yeah, people out there, <laughs> anyone who has name for our rooster, uh, please you know let let us know. Oh, I, oh, real quick, I we have a um, let's see, in the chat we have I think she said to tell the truth because it's the type of person she is. Interesting. Oh, okay. Talking about Holly. Okay, so Dr. Sleep was very similar where you had a an entity or entities who feasted on children because of their purity once again. And uh, so once, you know, um, El Cuco could have been a true knot, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So uh, which is was was interesting. But uh, anyway, so. uh, He he being El Cuco we get to see him like we haven't seen him before. Right. And, right. uh, it's a funny scene when they're in the cave and he throws, he throws like a can at Jack. Oh my God. That was hilarious. Oh. I felt like that was actually comic relief. Yeah. Cause it was like, Oh my God. He looks so frightening too. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was ready to throw up myself. Oh, Whoever did that those sound effects. <laughs> oh. The sound, yeah, that was gross. I was like, "Thanks, guys." I was like, "Yeah, we don't need to see. Uh, we don't actually need to see that." <laughs> but it, the shadow was enough, right? 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 So, uh, so we saw El Cuco in you know forms that we hadn't seen before, and uh, you know that's pretty. I thought that was pretty cool, and it, you know it really builds up. Like, okay, you feel like these, like everything's coming together, like. The one thing I felt like in the novel, and I love the novel, was you didn't have this feeling of everything converging to a crescendo right. until like when it, it was really like when you got to the very end. Whereas yeah. this, okay, starting with this episode, you feel like er- everything's coming to a fox head, to a head, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, like. And I like that. I like that because it makes you more hyped up for how is this going to play out. And I felt like in the novel, you really didn't have that where you were yeah. like, okay, like everything's converging. Like um, I use a movie like Heat. You know how Heat, yeah. you're like, oh, these, you know, these two sides are, are doing their thing. And like, how's it? They're going to come together and it's going to be this, you know, this awesome uh, battle between good and evil. So that's how we feel when you watch this episode. It's like, oh, okay, I feel that now. Right, with right. Uh, two more episodes left, you know, and uh, I just thought this episode was very good. I thought the dialogue at the Bolton house was cool between everybody. Uh, I thought I loved how how um, Brother Bolton was like, "How long y'all gonna be here?" <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he was still dealing weed, and and he was like, and, and uh, Ralph was like, "Hey, can you like not hey, do that? Maybe not do that while the cops are here." <laughs> And then he still though, like I, I I like how he didn't care, man. He was like, "I'm this is what I'm doing. You cutting in on my business." So uh, I just thought it was very good. I mean, um... so the, the, this episode leaves me with a, a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. Questions that I didn't have in the book, but because of the way that they're telling it in the series, there's so many questions. 
Um, because El Cuco has made a power grab and it didn't work, which is really rare, actually, that we know of for El Cuco anyway. What is the next play? Because, well, so we don't know uh, because, because Jack isn't involved in any of this yet. And because we don't know if Jack knows where they are. Although we do, we did see that uh, he had the radio with him. Mm-hmm. So he might be able to figure out that, that, you know, he might be able to figure out where they're going. Um, the question becomes, does El Cuco, does he try this? Does he try to scratch somebody else in the hopes that he can do a, a new transformation with the little amount of food that he's had? Or has this exposed him enough that he's just going to have to do an open, naked you know, I just have to try this and see what happens, uh, killing. And I, I'm, I actually can't quite get my head around which scenario seems like it's the most plausible. Mm. Wow. Well, look, he looks so weak. It seemed like you could just body slam him and he's, and he's done. You know, I'm like, he, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was able to get away barely. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I don't know, but I love the scene where they showed him the iPad with uh with Claude Bolton, uh, well with you know Outsider or El Cuco as as Claude Bolton. I love mm-hmm. that that scene was so cool. That yeah, was that was, th- that was a good scene. And uh, uh, for those who are looking or who are listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, who are viewing the podcast, uh, I'll throw up that on the screen right now. Um, so you can see this is the image that uh, they saw, which, you know, you can see that it's, his face isn't totally Claude Bolton. Uh, it's kind of a deformed Claude Bolton. Right. And shout out to what was what was Sam's sister's name? Wanda. Yes. Man, shout out to Wanda for just, wow, going after that guy. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. I actually was really impressed by that. I loved it. Yeah, I did as well. Um, so, uh, okay. Another thing is we had Alec Pelly and uh, you know Alec Pelly and Howie decides to come. You know to go there. Uh, the reason why I'm kind of you know like I'm trying to be very careful on what I say, but um. And we'll talk more, you know, when we get to the spoiler section. But uh, I like the idea that he changed his mind and he said, you know what? Alec Pelley's like, you know, I, I can't just leave her out there. And and one thing I did say to myself was, it's not like she's there by herself. She is there with, you know, with a, yeah. with, with the crew. But I, I like the fact that, you know, that he said, you know what? I can't go out like that. I'm going to go and... I'm going to, you know, help, right? I, I need to step up. Right, I need to step up. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, And that was a great scene where they all come in and, you know, and they're like, well, you can't spring for a, uh, for a, uh, a hotel? A hotel. Right, right. <laughs> that I, thought, great. I thought that was pretty cool. So in, any uh, last things you want to talk about before we uh, say goodbye to this episode? Before we get I, to the spoiler I, section? 
I wanted to say that throughout this episode and actually throughout much of uh, Outsider, the music choices have been absolutely just dead on. And most of the music that they choose to talk about or highlight or play is, is actually, you know, real music. It's not pretend stuff. And it's amazing. I mean, the, the choices have just, it's been so dead on in terms of meaning and uh, capturing the essence of a time period. And it, it's just been fabulous. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that because we haven't talked about that very much. Dead on pun intended. Yes, definitely <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, no, I agree. The music's been great. The cinematography, the uh, the color palette, uh, the acting, it's been the writing. It's been awesome. That's for sure. All right, so Jen, how can we get you in social media and all that stuff? You can find me on Twitter at following bliss one, and you can check out my websites at moviesmakethemeal.com and check out my new website. It's still in development, but coming super soon, studiowhitewolf.com. All right, all right, all right. And you can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram, and uh, the website is indyradio.org, I-N-D-Y radio.org. All right, as I said before, and I have it on the screen, this is a spoiler part. So when I say this is a spoiler part, I'm going to talk about something that's in the book that may affect how it's going to end. So if you don't want to know anything about what happened, you know, uh, in the book, which you may or may not see on the TV show, this is probably a good way to cut out because you've seen everything. You know, after this, we're going to just say goodbye. Right. But if you want to know, uh, stick here. Stay here. You can't say you haven't been warned. It's on the screen. Okay, so, all right, Alec Paley and Howie. As you know, in the 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 final scenes of the novel, they are both uh, gunned down. Yes. And I I I, I guess I can say by who, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, by Jack Hoskins, which we see in the uh, the next episode. Uh, we see a couple of things from the the novel that you know that you know you see a snake did you catch the snake i did yeah all right so that's from the novel as well i mean i don't know if they if that if it's going to play out like in the novel but we saw a snake we saw of course we saw um jack hoskins with a rifle and i believe they showed uh someone in the sights as well yeah I, I, I think that's the whole buildup behind making Jack Hoskins because we know that he's a sniper. Right. And so, I mean, they made a point to make sure you knew that. it too. Yes, they put it yes. in, in the episodes. I think somebody says it and we saw him, you know, very early on. So, yeah. And then we saw his cache of guns inside of his house and right. yeah. So, you know, when they first Alec Pelly and Howie wasn't going I was saying to myself, oh, okay, well, maybe uh, maybe they're going to change that. Maybe it's going to be Andy and uh, maybe, you know, somebody else. Because Yoon Sablo does get shot, but he doesn't die, you know. Right. So, but then when they go, you know, that you were talking about the foreshadowing, when they when he they ultimately get there, I was like, oh, man, I wonder. So, dang, are they going to get killed off like in the novel, you know, like, you know. So we'll, we're going to find out if that's true or not. 
But uh, I, I have a feeling that I have a feeling that they're gonna change it up somehow. So it may not be them two, or it could be them two and someone else. Uh, I I have a feeling though it, uh, it it may not be exactly like it is, but they got it set up to where it possibly can be. So. Um, I I don't you know I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but. From a story perspective, the way that these things usually run out, it's the people who are the, like, it doesn't look good for them, I think is what I would say. It doesn't, I feel like it doesn't look good for them. They were the last two to commit. And in some ways they may pay a price for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Well, we'll see. We're going to find out soon yeah, enough. Definitely. Two only two more episodes left. Wow, uh, I should have said this before we got to the spoiler part. Uh, I will take the spoiler banner off. Um, we also now are available on Deezer, so you can catch this show on Deezer as well. So yeah, we're we're getting around, we're getting around. So, uh, but uh, with that said, uh, you guys have a beautiful weekend. God bless you, and we'll be back. For an all new episode of The Outsider.